I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. So, dear listener, I'm sitting at the piano for this podcast on Father's Day. And I thought to myself, you know, I was going to do a different podcast, but this morning I was reminded that today is Father's Day. And in that, I was reminded of my father who passed away in 2018, who was very beloved to me. So as I play these notes, you know, this is from one of his favorite melodies, which is Pockle Bell's Canon. He always loved when I played it. And in this podcast, I'm going to do something that I've not done before. I'm actually going to include a little excerpt from one of the audio recordings of our conversations in the years before he passed away. And you know, I'm really grateful that I thought to record our talks together because there's so much I really didn't remember that we had exchanged. And to hear his voice and to hear what we were sharing is a value beyond reckoning. When I made those recordings, I didn't think that there would be a time when my dad wasn't in my life, physically present even though by that time he was already in his 80s. You don't really think, you know, to yourself that there might be a time when they won't be there for you to ask them questions, (laughs) for you to want to know what they think about whatever it is that you're thinking about or feeling. And this morning when I woke up, and I turned the computer on. There, in an email from this beautiful place on the shores of Lake Champlain, in northern New England, was a picture of that lake looking across the mountains to the Adirondacks. And those mountains, you see, dear listener, where my dad spent a lot of time. So when I look at that lake, when I look at a picture of those mountains, you see, I feel his spirit. And there it was, that picture, on the morning of Father's Day. And I thought, that's not a coincidence. 
He was brought home to me as I contemplated that image of the place where he made his home. for many, many, many years. So we really don't, you know, we don't often imagine what life will be like when someone close to us isn't there. It's as if life shields us from that reality in our minds and hearts. But I'm so grateful that I thought to make those recordings because in them I realized how close my dad and I were. And I still feel him now as I invoke his presence, his spirit, his influence which has infused my life from the time that I was born. And when I was just an infant, he would carry me around all through the night because I was not comfortable, you know, having like little baby indigestion and I would be held there in his arms and he would rock me and sing to me. and talk to me. And hold me there during the day to look out the window at the trees, out the window at the train, plying the shores of the river below, back and forth. And he would speak to me, and he was my first inspiration for language. And you know now, all these decades hence, I realize he was my first inspiration also for song. He'd always whistle, he'd always sing, you know, some Italian song or Russian song. And as I grew, I would find myself embarrassed. My dad was the only one among the dads who sang like that, who whistled like that. And he seemed so unabashed, you know, so free to do so. He just gloried in that feeling of song. And my dad had this incredible sense of spirit. He was a philosopher, but a very particular kind of philosopher. He was a visionary. He believed that a new and better and incredible future here on earth was and is possible. And he would convey that to me in so many ways. And over the course of 50 years, he taught 
the City University of New York, and he was working with teachers in the Department of Education and going into the public schools there and helping his teachers, his student teachers, appreciate their students. He was helping them see into their spirits, no matter what. He completely redefined what it meant to be in the classroom. Rather than a structured place of expectation and demand, for my dad, the classroom was a place of liberated possibility. Human life was a place of liberated possibility. And nowhere did he feel that more acutely and more poignantly and more powerfully than in the realm of music. He played the violin. In fact, my mom and my dad, they met each other in college and my mom who was a pianist became my dad's accompanist, and so their relationship really started, you know, dear friends, it started in duet. I remember my mom always telling me, you know, that they sort of rented when they were in their early 20s, a, what was called in New York City then a cold water flat. What does that mean? Well, it means that there's no such thing as hot water, <laughs> but I think they were so happy to be romantically connected at that point in love, you know, and it didn't really matter. There was no hot water. That was their place where they could meet and spend time in the earliest years of their relationship and their romance. So when I was born, I was born to them And my dad, I think, really was unusual. He was really involved in being a dad. He'd spend so much time with me, listening to me and helping me see the world and listening to my little words as I was learning to speak two, three, four putting sentences together and marveling in the beautiful nature of our garden. Because of my dad, I would say, you know, that I was born an optimist. And I carry that to this day. And that vision and my dad transmitted it to me, you know, in every single thing he did. He could speak to anyone, you know, we would be walking on the streets and he'd stop and he'd talk to somebody 
just out of the blue. You know, he didn't know them. They might have been a homeless person. They might have been... just a passerby, but he could talk to anyone. He really believed, you see, dear listener, that inside of each person, there's a secret. There's their soul. There's something worth knowing about. And just the act of listening and asking and inquiring and being friendly could open it all up like you were releasing that person's deepest being into the world. So he helped his teachers, his student teachers, relate that way to their students, and he himself lived his life in such a way that it became a model for me. To see what's really there. So, you know, towards the end of his life, although I didn't really think, admit, or want to think, or I didn't really know that really was towards the end of his life, you never know how long someone's going to live. It could go on and on. In our minds and hearts, I think it always does go on and on. It always goes on and on. But my dad was conjuring a world where people's souls were released, you know, from the travail, from the impediments and restrictions, the self-consciousness, everything that stands in the way of us being really who we are. Really a place of goodness and love. And he still sang. And now I realize, you know, at this stage that I've gone way beyond that teenager, that young person who would be embarrassed by my dad being the only dad who would break out in song, whistling or singing, you know, in the most beautiful voice. Now I realize, oh my gosh, I think I got my voice from him. And now that I'm basking in the joys of singing myself, I think my dad gave that to me. It was the self-same thing. It is the self-same thing. So in this little excerpt from a conversation, you'll hear my dad talk about his passionate dedication and vision. His dedication to the belief that a new world is possible, where goodness and true humanity and joy reign. And I say to him, Wow. 
only person I've told this to. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Listen, if anyone can do it, you can. <laughs> Seriously, Dad, take care of yourself so you can write this thing. Well, if I don't live long enough to do it, you know enough now to do it for me. Oh, Dad, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> you do. I don't think I know all the things you need to know. Mipper. What? You are a manifestation of it when you play oh. a piano. You take things and you do break them down into infinitesimals. And you have an indefinite range of wonderful possibilities to work with. Oh, Dad, thank you so much. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm not making it up. That's why people are so enchanted with it. The man that the agreement said to you, it comes right out that I was in a, a desperate state. Yes. And now I am relieved. Okay? He couldn't even explain what that was or how it happened or what he felt, you know, but it's not a matter, see, it's not a matter of like in the Freudian situation where you resolve everything. Right. You don't resolve everything, but you move into another life, the resurrection. Oh my God. Hey. I really am glad I recorded this. <laughs> yeah, okay, baby. Seriously. I'd like, I'd like to hear it again because Bradley would help me too. So my dad passed the baton on to me. You see, dear friends, we actually carry the legacy from which we've come. And in ways known and unknown, recognized maybe and unconscious, we've been handed something to continue. So it's worth contemplating, what is it that I've been handed to continue? And listening to that conversation with my dad, I realize that there's a potency in this music, this gift that I've been given. The effect of that, like these notes, can change life. We can change and morph. I say to my students, you know, you're like superheroes. You can affect reality. You can make it something beautiful. So in the spirit of my dad, I'm going to play one other thing here, which was his favorite Italian song. And he would just burst into the song. <laughs> 